Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a monthly solutions-oriented talk radio show. Each month, we dedicate about 30 minutes to explore contemporary issues and solutions in education leadership, and this is your host, Brian Perkins. So all week, we have been talking about the impact of COVID-19 pandemic on our education system. Uh, We've had a number of guests from the United States, and then we did a show on Wednesday of educators from all over the globe telling us about what they're doing in their local communities. Um, Today, I have uh, two special guests uh, that are with me. Um, I have uh, uh, Mr. Kevin Parkinson, who is the principal of the Mid-City Public Charter School in Jackson, Mississippi, and I have Dr. Anthony, Anthony Hamlet, who is the superintendent in Pittsburgh Public Schools. So welcome to both of you. Thank you for having me. Hi, hello. Appreciate it. Oh, glad to have you with us. And so as I said, we have uh, had a number of people on the show this week uh, sharing with us about their experiences in the middle of this uh, pandemic and what has happened in their their communities. Uh, I decided today to ask you two to come on uh, the show because – you're both leaders in your own right to uh, of schools and school systems. I, Mr. Parkinson, Kevin, you you are the principal of a of a standalone public charter school, and so in fact, you know you you're responsible for that whole. Even though it's a smaller community of learners, you're responsible for everything that happens in that charter school. And then um, further out, we have. Um, uh, Anthony, you are the uh, superintendent of of Pittsburgh Public Schools and um, one of the nation's recognizable um, cities, and you're responsible on a much larger scale, um, as I understand, probably more than 50 schools, but a large number of of schools and personnel that have looked to you uh, for this. And I, I see we also have um, that I'm going to uh, patch in right now. We also have um, another guest um, who has been able to join us. I want to welcome Dr. Christy De La Cruz. Uh, welcome, Christy. Um, good hello. afternoon. Um, hello. Can you guys hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Welcome. Glad to that you were able to join us. Um, and so Christy actually is joining us from New York City. Who she is uh, area superintendent. I hope I haven't uh, uh, don't uh, mess up your titles here. Uh, <laughs> but in New York, in uh, New York City, and um, just happy to have all of you. And so today, what I thought would be really helpful um, for our listeners um, is that if we could get some insight, kind of a bird's eye view of you as leaders. You know, many of you received as little as 48 hours notice around the country. People were told and said, we got to go to an online environment. I'm going to say something about that in a moment, but they told you we got to make this happen. 
Um, first question I have for you is how did you feel when you got the news that this was actually happening? And I just ask you, you know, we just, just jump in as you see fit. But I want, I want to know how you felt first, um, the human side of this, realizing that there's no roadmap, there was no playbook here. Uh, even though we've had other kinds of things happen, like uh, hurricanes and snowstorms, things like that, but no playbook for this. How did you feel realizing that so much was on your shoulders as, as leaders to make something happen uh, worthwhile? Um, I mean, I can answer that. Um, so I'm, like I, um, I'm Christy Dela Cruz. I'm from New York City, and we were given a short turnaround. And at that point, it, everything was optional as far as which staff could come in, which staff could not come in, and how are we going to make this happen? Um, for our team, it was really who can we leverage and thinking about our most vulnerable population. Um, to give you some context, my, um, we have 48 schools in my district, of over 36,000 students. Um, over 10,000 of these students um, live in temporary housing, um, which in, this does not, um, we're just talking about not even the kids who are doubled up, but students who live in some type of the three different types of shelters. So it was really thinking about those um, vulnerable populations, um, thankfully leveraging our school leaders and how many devices do you have, um, how many devices do you need, uh, and really pulling together as a community. And then on another level, leveraging our um, tech teams and how can we support, and also in your school as well, not just our tech team, but um, who's your tech person and how can we make sure that we support um, our students and our teachers and our families in getting these um, Google Classroom. That's the predominant platform that we're using across the, the city and how we're going to do that. But um, really it was like, oh, my goodness, how are we going to get make this happen? And then thinking about our most vulnerable populations. And then the other layer was our early childhood grades who might not have as much um, uh, those teachers might not, you know, thinking about just the, the social emotional. We've also categorized things into four buckets, social emotional, remote learning, and um, logistics and resources. So those are our um, kind of our four buckets. And with our daily check-ins, that's what we're, we're doing things. So that's kind of how we did it. And I'm like still amazed that in three days, less than three days, we, we were successfully able to get all of our schools set up to um, a Google platform. Um, we still have about 7,000 students who um, don't have a device, but we're, they're supposed to be FedEx today or in the next few weeks. Um, so those are some ways that we're handling it. Mm, thank you. Thank you for that. I can appreciate your efforts because we've been using we've been using a lot of your work, and so we appreciate the work of uh, of your district because we've been um, we appreciate the way that you've been putting it all online too because we've been using it here in Mississippi as well. So thank you very much. Um, but when you asked about how how it felt, I think the word that came to my mind was just unimaginable. Like it just could not. 
it took my brain a while to to kind of wrap around what we was experiencing, and I, and I'm thinking we're we're grades five through eight at our particular school, and, and I my heart just bleeds for some of the eighth graders in particular. Um, all of our students are well, fortunately. Uh, we don't have any student um, with with um, COVID nineteen, fortunately. But you know, I think eighth grade might not might not have the same kind of feel as a senior year, but in a middle school, it kind of has the the equivalent of that. I just, you know, I I I my heart kind of felt for a lot of the eighth graders who don't get their kind of capstone experiences, um, and and just the way that it it felt so abrupt, um, and and the announcement came at the tail end of Mississippi's spring break. And so it just feels like it's been so long since I've seen the kids and I've seen the families. Um, and it just felt bizarre and, um, and, and out of place and, and sometimes scary and um, all at the same time. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine. Anthony, what about you? Anthony, you still there? Whoop, I think we might have uh, just say to Anthony, worry, are you I'm there? Anthony. Anthony? I'm trying. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you now. Go All ahead. Right. Okay, got it. All right, sorry, guys. Um, very similar to New York and Mississippi. We're going through some of the same or similar processes that they have right now. One of the things that we have, you know, number one, this was unexpected. So we are not fully prepared to deliver online education to all students. That's one of the things that we're grappling with right now. Um, how to provide the equitable, equitable distribution of technology and ensuring that all families have technology, all students have technology, but also have access to the Internet as well. But also in this space, also, how do you, do you ensure faith, a free and appropriate education for our special education students and our EL students as well? In this new norm, I've been telling my team to think long-term because as I read all the information, this is going to, I think personally, this is going to be a while. And my, um, well, our governor has taken a stance of taking it uh, two weeks at a time. So it kind of limits us in our decision-making process. So we are actually preparing for the long-term and short-term and what that could look like, and what does our work environments look like, what does a student um, environment look like, what, what do our teachers do, and then having to have conversations with and do MOUs with our unions. So it's just a, a different ballgame right now. And, and I think we're managing it well right now. Um, you know, we, we read a lot, get a lot of information from the Council of Great City Schools, which puts our best practices for its 75 largest urban districts, and we get, get a lot of information from there. We've got information from New York as well, so thank you also. And um, we're just managing right now the best we can and doing the best we can um, with what we have for our students, our uh, teachers and faculty and staff and our community right now. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And, you know, I, I've had conversations, as I shared, all week, um, with with educators and one one thing that I was just so surprised by and it took me a while to kind of recoup and get my head around was with the, the relative ease with which we said to educators okay so we and and certainly I understand it was we got to do something we got to do this go home but then it was the the next kind of sentence that came was what shocked me was and transfer this to an online environment and 
now I am really happy and pleased with the job that um, that teachers have done. Now it doesn't surprise me because teachers too are very resilient, very resourceful professionals. That doesn't surprise me, but it just did catch me by surprise. Really, the general public's uh, kind of attitude of of kind of, that this was a, a, a given that all you got to do is and i certainly understand the difficulty and one of the things that you just brought up uh anthony in talking about the equitable distribution of resources remember you know we we still are talking about that in some places throughout the country um not there there even in the schools, there's not one computer or one piece of technology per student that even if you have that, um, when you get it home, there's still a lot of work yet to be done around providing them with internet access. And it goes on and on. And I, I just can't help. I know that the educators this week have been so gracious and, and um, really optimistic about it, but I I just couldn't help to be surprised and and somewhat shocked about the the manner with which we said, okay, now go do it this other way. Am I the only one? I, I mean, is it is it unusual uh, to to think that that was that's a bit of a stretch in expectation? I think in a lot. Brian, I think it's not. I think I think you have a lot of places, um, especially in large and also um, rural districts as well. They don't have a lot of technology, um, and they don't have a one-to-one environment or what that looks like. Let alone have technology for uh, take home for students as well. And sometimes you have to have multiple devices in families because they have several students or children that are in school as well. So how does that look? And so one of the main things I want to say is. is, is Everybody was talking from the beginning, talking about getting work for kids. My main focus, because we we're 100% free and reduced uh, lunch um, um, district, is feeding my children. That was mm-hmm. another one thing we had to put in place first for me. Um, mm-hmm. uh, often, a lot of our kids rely on um, this breakfast and lunch. How is that going to look for kids first? And then let's work back and worry about getting um, packets and work for kids at that point. So. Okay. That's, a, that's an excellent point. You know, when I was listening um, I remember, it, uh, particularly in New York City, the mayor was under tremendous fire. And I remember telling some of my other colleagues outside of education that I was a little more uh, understanding, if you will, because when you're in that role, you have to think beyond, you know, there were a lot of people who said, send, send the kids home. Why are you still letting kids come to school, and I'm sure, I don't even have to ask, but I'm sure that part of what was weighing heavily on the mayor's mind, the board's minds all over the country was the fact that there are a lot of students that two meals out of their day um, comes from the school system, two meals, and for many, the only meals, and I know a lot of people find that hard to believe but a lot of you on the front line have verified that to me that that's the case for a lot of children. And so I, I think the decision was a last effort um, to, to 
say, look, we have to we have to feed these children and maybe to give a little more time to come up with a plan and how they would be fed. Uh, so um, thank you for sharing that. I know that was something that was weighing on a lot of our policy makers and, like I said, school board members. That was what was weighing heavily uh, on their minds. For those of you who have just joined us, uh, you've reached the Perkins platform. We are talking with uh, district and school leaders that are uh, responsible for the education of thousands of children and providing support to hundreds and thousands of of, of families. Um, those there may be some questions you have. Feel free to call in on our guest line at six five seven three eight three one four eight one. Again, six five seven three eight three one four eight one. Um, there is a question that was just emailed in uh, from one of the listeners. It says, my question is, um, teachers and students are constantly hearing, we're entering uncharted waters. What is it going to take for principals, leaders, et cetera, to be a little transparent with teachers and students of what to really expect with this new platform of learning? How do you ease the uncertainty besides constantly saying this is uncharted waters. Thank you. A listener from Florida uh, with that one. So um, anyone want to tackle that? I I mean, I can only speak for um, New York City. So a lot of the reason why, and I completely uh, hear what's saying, and um, interesting enough, it's like, what's the message delivered to young people? Um, But I know that in New York City, we've had a lot of – uh, tension between the unions and what is allowed and what's not allowed um, because remote learning um, is different, right? And so it's really questioning. Um, we're not allowed to use the word schedule. There's a lot of amb- it's very ambiguous. Um, and then also, as it was previously mentioned, we do have families where one device for five children. So, you know, is it expected for them to just, you know, is the goal, what does engagement look like, you know? So how do we define engagement? Is it that they log in at least once? Um, How are we going to rethink what our assignments look like? Um, So I think there's a lot of things that we have to work out as a system. And I do think that um, our theme for this week was mostly launching and outreach, right? Um, Launching Mm -hmm. and outreach and Next week is really about the development and the developing what is this instruction going to look like, what are the expectations, and then how do we, we we did a hybrid model in our district um, where we did provide packets. Um, The packets that were given were, you know, I would say a minimum of two weeks of work, up to four weeks um, in some of our schools until we knew that they would get devices. Um, And so really just encouraging that social-emotional but it, you're right, it's like this unknown, the amount of stress and the unknown um, impacts people differently. But I, I know that a lot of the reason why school leaders have not been able to give a lot of guidance is because they are waiting for the leaders to give them guide, uh, guidance for the powers that may be. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Shannon. Go ahead, Kim. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah, I'll just share um, a couple thoughts. One is... 
I can I can really appreciate where that question is coming from, and that's when I one of my main focuses is on like how do I actually serve my teachers, and so I've been spending a lot of time checking in with teachers, with um, with uh, sending cards to them, uh, setting real clear expectations that I don't expect you to work 40 hours a day, especially when I have a huge percentage of my staff who are parents themselves and trying to navigate this. Um, and I think it's it's uh, it's an important time to check in with the personal needs and support our teachers. Um, and so I can I can hear the the request for teachers to get more clarity, and I, and I think that's an important service that we can provide them. Um, I think also though one thing that I would push back just a little bit on that teacher is another area that I've been trying to focus my time on is is coordination and this idea of of go slow to go fast. And there's a couple instances where people really well-intentioned people who, like, just wanted to support people during this time rushed out um, really, really quickly to to try to put things out there in a really fast way. But in some ways, that didn't align to everything else that's going on. And I'll just give just a quick example is there's an area church in our in our neighborhood that has been wonderful and constantly supports us and is just amazing and wonderful. And immediately they started – um, serving breakfasts and lunches, which, uh, to your point, Dr. Perkins, is just incredibly important when we know a lot of our students receive lunch and breakfast at our school, and that was amazing and well. Um, but at the same time, we are actually partnering with uh, the local traditional public school district um, who um, we're working with them, and uh, it's it's actually been a really good win-win situation where they're coordinating a lot of logistics, they're providing the meals, they're doing those things, and it benefits them because um, it's a reimbursable program, and so they're receiving funding for the, the program um, and the food that they're able to serve. And so while I really, really appreciated the efforts of our of our church leader for organizing that effort, um, in some ways, it just took away from another coordinated effort that had been, a, you know, a unit between traditional district schools, public schools, and other community agencies. Similarly, I had a lot of teachers rushing out and putting out their own assignments, um, which which was really good. And, you know, teachers were really, really trying to just get instruction out there. But there was no coordinated effort for how are we going to communicate to the entire school? How are we going to communicate to all parents, to all students? And so as much as I want to support teachers and make sure that we're meeting their human need, including the human need for clarity and guidance themselves. I also think there's just some instances where it's like, let's just pause just for a little bit to just make sure we're all on the same page. And I know that's frustrating to not have the answers right now, especially when all you really want to do is just help the kids and help the families. But if we all get on the same page, we can align our efforts and hopefully maximize the impact that we're able to provide. Mm. Oh, thank you. Anthony, you had something you wanted to share? Yeah, I was going to chime in about the question is that, you know, sometimes, you know, you know at, at school districts and, and school leadership, we want to come up with the plans ourselves, but but my colleague from New York alluded to the unions. Um, understanding and, and speaking to the individual that wrote in, understanding that we can have the best plan we want to put in place, but if it's not agreed upon and the union has some issues, um, albeit about working conditions, um, et cetera, 
that can put a monkey wrench in us moving forward. So it's not just us as a district or district leadership that is stifled. <clears throat> we have other entities that we have to work with um, together to come up with what are new rules of engagement, what are new working rules um, under this, because I don't know of any district right now um, that there's some that has working conditions that's specific to remote learning and what that looks like. So I know for one, Pittsburgh Public Schools doesn't have that in place. That's something that we need to develop as a result of this, and we're going to do that. But um, number one, in all of our minds as, as leaders, number one thing we want to do is educate our kids, support our faculty and staff as best we can. And so um, we want to make sure we put a product out there that it's not something that we're just telling you, it's something that's, actually, that's really going to happen and that we really can put in place is going to be a benefit for our students. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. So I know we're, we're running out of time, but I want to I pose kind of the magic wand question. Um, if you had a magic wand and take you back to that, those, you know, 72 to 24 hours before that time period, um, before you actually had to evacuate schools, you had to, people had to just go home, um, is there anything that you can think of that if you were to do this again, um, and hopefully you won't, but just in terms of lessons learned, that what would be different? Um, and, of course, we'd all ask for more time. We'd ask for more resources. But kind of the things that are in your control, what would you do or what would you have? What would you ask for? What would you look for um, now that you've had the experience, um, what would be different? I'll start with you, uh, Kevin. Why don't you start out? Uh, that's a good question. I think um, I think I probably would have pushed myself to uh, connect more with our teachers and make sure that they were feeling at ease because I think our teachers are amazing and they want to help and they're, they're very well equipped to help. Um, I think, uh, but if they're not in a place themselves where they feel safe and secure and, and well cared for, then it, it will be difficult to pass that along to, to students. And so I think I would, if, had I known, oh, the coronavirus is coming, <laughs> I think I would have wanted to check in with, with my teachers to say, do you feel like you have adequate child care? Do you feel like you um, are prepared yourself in order to, to, to dive in? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Christy, what about you? Not sure, Christy, we may have lost her. Um, Anthony? Yeah, there? Brian. Um, um, for me, yeah, yeah. For me, very similar to <clears throat> what Kevin is saying. You want to make sure that we, um, number one, ask about the health, safety, and well-being of our faculty and staff, our students, <clears throat> and our other employees in this space. Um, and, and 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 Kevin mentioned something about something about childcare, and it's very difficult right now as far as childcare. So we have our teachers at home. We have these stay-at-home orders and, and quarantine orders and, and, and social distancing orders. So how does one begin to bring kids together for child care and expect teachers to work and other employees to work at a home environment as well when they got to take care of their kids and they can't do child care because of the corona? So right. these things come up, and it's like um, we take it day by day, um, but we're documenting this information. 
and making sure we put a plan in place as a result because you never know. But also using this as a chance to, um, and I don't know about in Mississippi, but we have snow days, um, New York has snow days, to begin to look like um, put, put something in place that will support us in having flexible instructional days. So if we do have those snow days, which we will have, um, our kids will not have a day of learning lost as a result. We'll be ready and available. The technology will be there. The infrastructure will be there um, for both teachers and students um, to make sure that we don't lose a day of, of learning. So we're putting that in place and using it as a, a continuous improvement process to make sure we begin to put that in place for our students and our faculty and staff for the years to come. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much. And so to all of you, um, just want to thank you for being on. We, we do have actually a caller um, that I'm going to patch through. We have time to take this one call. Uh, thank you, caller from um, uh, 713 Harry Code. Go ahead with your question or comment. I just had a question. Well, no, I had a comment. I think that what we're going to do here in Houston and moving forward is that we're going to consider uh, adopting a, a plan. Uh, you know, we have tornado drills that we do. We have those emergency plans that we have to put forth when we're doing our school improvement plan. But I, I think what, what has opened our eyes to this is we, we were just ill-prepared for such a type of event. And, now moving forward, we can actually take our time during the course of the year to develop a plan where we have persons to contact what will be what will be in place. Uh, how does a online curriculum look if we have to adopt something such as that? And um, a, a different comment that I had about uh, an earlier question that was asked was about um, you know the the coming of teaching, you know. For, for generations, teaching has been looked down upon, uh, a profession that anyone could do. Uh, I think what this has opened our eyes to is recognizing that it's not something as simple as anyone can do it. It's not just a drop your hat and you can start teaching type of uh, profession. It is a very challenging and difficult profession that requires training and professional development. And I think when you, when you talk about a uh, person saying, well, <clears throat> when are we going to get more clarity? It, it, it's, it's convoluted. It, it is something that can't be as simple as, okay, we had these teachers, now all of a sudden everyone else can become teachers. So there, there is, there is a, a shift, if you will, I think, as a result of this, of the teaching profession now would get a different uh, persona of it's not what we thought it was. It is something that is more intricate, that does require a, a certain level of skill. And um, so I think that that's one of the results that we're going to have. But thank you guys for allowing me to come in. Yes, thank you. Thank you for that. And I think Amen. Yeah, an excellent um, way to end. Um, and what I would like to say is that, you know, people have been also talking about, um, you know, the – teachers, the job that teachers have done, but parents have a newfound respect for what teachers have to do in the course of a day. And all that's great, you know, in terms of the the kind of talk and what people say. I also want to bring attention to the fact that we have capable, competent leaders that in the face of this, and that's what I, I said at the beginning, that just 
are very resourceful, very uh, creative uh, to make things happen, uh, dedicated to the work. Uh, my hat's off to you. I, I, I don't think uh, until this time quite as many people understood how complex your um, responsibilities are. And so um, just remember um, to take care of yourselves because we need you in our schools. We need you in our community. So job well done to all of you um, that uh, are out there that are school leaders. Um, Hopefully people will um, put their money where their mouth is now. And that these are, these are not alternatives to if you want to do something else, it's okay. This is a good fallback. No, this is, a profession worthy of, of as first choice. It is um, um, beyond just what people say, you know, noble work, noble calling. These, these are highly complex uh, responsibilities. And so um, my hat's off to you. Um, again, thank you for tuning in. Um, we went just a little bit over, but uh, I think it was um, well worth our time to hear from uh, our guests and our um, people who called in. Um, thank you as well. Um, we're um, ending this week on a very, very positive note. Uh, join us next Friday. We're going to do another show, uh, same time, 2 p.m. And to the listeners out there, go well, stay well. <laughs>